Hey everybody, welcome into the brand new I Want to Know podcast. I'm your host, Greg Jones, and I'm super excited for you guys to be joining me on our very first official episode of I Want to Know. So let me tell you guys a little bit about I Want to Know. I Want to Know is an interview-style podcast, and it's all about curiosity and asking the unanswered questions in order to take an in-depth look at any given subject. You know, I find that a lot of times I hear something really cool or I hear about some you know, ghost town or, or whatever subject, and I end up Googling it, and I'll spend two hours in the car just Googling it while we drive down the highway. Or I'll be, you know, watching basketball, and I'll end up looking up, and the game's halfway over. So this show is all about that curiosity. We want to answer questions for people, find out more about things, and just really delve into to various topics. So to define this show into one specific category is so hard to do. iTunes was being a big bitch about that, and I, uh, I had to do it anyways. So uh, you'll find us in iTunes and, and all other podcast apps under the Society and Culture. And when they make us break it down even more, you'll find us under the Philosophy, which uh, may sound a little weird at first, but I, I did some, some Googling, and I looked up the word Philosophy, and the definition is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence, especially when considered as an academic discipline. So I figure that actually kind of fits right into this. Uh, we are studying things, and uh, we want knowledge and all that good stuff. So anyways, that's that's what the show's about. And about me, uh, you guys may know me as the host of the Charity Strike Sports Podcast. This is going to be completely different from the Charity Strike, a complete 360. I guess a 360 puts you back where you were. So this is a complete 180. Or 720. No, that's that's twice back where you were. Anyways, it's completely different. You may also know me from the Awkward Apocalypse podcast that I used to do with uh, my co-host Jenny O. This is not that either. But anyways, let's get into the show. My first interview is with Suzanne Perry. And she is the founder of LoveShouldn'tHurt.tv. She was also a 22-year victim of domestic violence at the hands of her now ex-husband. Today, she's a confidence coach, speaker, and presents workshops, education, and awareness events surrounding domestic abuse and bullying. And she is an all-around badass. I know this because she was on episode 207 of The Charity Strike, my other show, when we were talking about the whole Ray Rice situation in the NFL. She has done so many things in the last few years since breaking away from her abusive husband. And it's a super inspirational story. And hopefully, you know, if someone out there that's listening to this, uh, maybe is going through some sort of trauma like this, you can reach out to her or some other platform and get some help. And even if that's not your situation, this is a really, really interesting interview. And I hope you guys enjoy. So let's just get right into it. Suzanne, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the first episode of I Want to Know. If you don't mind, uh, just starting off with a little backstory of, of how this all started going down. Okay, well, um, I was with a very abusive man all the way back from when I was 17 years old, and that went on off and on for the next 22 years. And uh, I left and came back three times and then married him. We have uh, three kids, and seven and a half years ago, uh, my daughter confronted me. She said, I can't take living like this anymore. It's either him or me, and she threatened to run away. I told her that morning, the next time that it was going on and getting bad. And I gave her the signal that she could call 911. And within two weeks that happened, I promised the kids I would never go back. And I've never broken a promise. So I have not gone back. Started my life at ground zero, rebuilt it, uh, lost my job, started my own business a couple times. And uh, now I have an official 501c3. We're like government official charity. And uh, it's called Love Shouldn't Hurt That TV. 
and its advocacy and awareness, prevention, and education surrounding domestic violence for both men and women. Nice. Wow. Um, a, a lot has been accomplished in seven years. Big time. Yeah. That's huge. So you, so you had three kids all or have three kids all with this guy. Yes. And, um, how did he feel about you having, I mean, was he into having three kids or what was his thoughts on this? The first one was unplanned and it, it, it scared me to death. So let's see, I was 20 when he was born. So I was 19 when I was pregnant and we both still lived home so the day that I moved out of my home into an apartment with him was actually the most terrifying day of my life. I was scared to death. So, you know, I should have, there's a lot of things I should have done, and but I didn't. So he was very excited and happy about it. And usually somebody who, somebody who is an abuser likes to rush into a relationship. So this kind of like was sealing the deal, I think, on his end. Okay. And then when our firstborn was six months old, Um, it was, our relationship was pretty violent and I left. Um, I stayed gone for six months and, uh, he interrogated me and, and, and stalked me and spoke to me to push my button saying, you know, I want to be a family. I know what I did wrong. I'll never do it again. Blah, 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 blah. And I came, I took him back, went back and we moved into a a new apartment because he ended up going back to his parents' house. And then we decided we want to give our firstborn a playmate. <laughs> so, so then when I was seven months pregnant with number two, he had taken my car and my paycheck, picked up his best friend and went to Canada, went to the strip joints, blew all my paycheck, came home, smashed, beat me to a pulp and finally passed out on the kitchen floor. I took Jeez. our firstborn at three in the morning. Now I'm seven months pregnant. So it looks like I swallowed a basketball. <laughs> And I walked, I don't know how many miles, maybe four miles or something, to his parents' house. And I knocked on the door and I said, this is what your son did to me. And I was reaching out for help. You know, my face was all blown up and yeah, thinking, you know, if there's anybody that could help, it'd be his parents. But you know, I, I was wrong. <laughs> um, did they turn so you I away? Had, oh, no. They took me in and, you know, pretended to, well, they, they probably did feel sorry for me and stuff. Um they just, well, I learned later that that's the way that their marriage was early on as well. But when you're in something like that, everybody is so overprotective and so tight-lipped. And it's like a an actor, like a production, trying to portray the perfect family, not letting on, you know, that there's yeah. troubled waters. Wow. And then we had, <laughs> and then uh, I went back, we got married and by that point, he said, and this was terrifying to me, he 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 got in my face and pointed his finger in my face, like poking me in the eye. And he goes, if you ever leave me again, I'm going to kill your family and then I'm going to kill you. And I thought he was crazy enough to do it. So now it's like, I'm scared to leave. I'm scared to stay. I don't know what to do. Um, but see, when you're, it, it's, it's very topsy-turvy. Like there are good days. Yeah. And then there are really, you know, there's really good days and there's really bad days and there's everything in between. So it's not like it was 100 percent hell, but it it wasn't that good. So with someone like that, is it it a lot of uh, extreme ends of the spectrum? Like, hey, I love you so much and hey, I'm going to beat the shit out of you or. Um, On his end, yeah, Um, I like worked full time and overtime um, and he would 
we just fell into a a pattern where I couldn't go anywhere without him asking 10,000 questions. Like I had no social life for 20 of those 22 years. So it's like I had no friends, couldn't go out with my family, never couldn't go out with coworkers for lunch, nothing. It was just go to work, come home. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so even if I got now, I'm in Buffalo, New York. So there are times that we get held up by snow. And uh, I remember one time I was like a half an hour late because I was stuck in a snowstorm and he 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 said, uh, oh, you were cheating with me. You're you're with your boss. You're doing something else. What are you doing behind my back? And it's like conversation A, conversation B, you know, it'd be you're cheating on me. I don't trust you. What are you doing behind my back? Are you sure? What, swear, swear on the kid's life that something horrible happens to them if you're lying to me. And so it was like this extreme Every day, every day, every day. And some days he'd be like, you know, you're, you're so beautiful. You're so awesome. And then other days it's like you're an ugly piece of shit, you know. And eventually on my end, you know, the love like really just disintegrated. And I realized, you know, this, this ain't love. The, you know, being hit and I'm just like used to it. Yeah. Not that I want it, but I don't know how to fix things. And I thought for the longest time I could fix them. I thought he was fixable. It was one of my biggest mistakes. Now, eventually, did you ever end up cheating on him? Never. Oh, no, no, nope. Just Never crossed afraid. my mind. Oh, geez. Oh, no, I just wouldn't. I'm, I'm, I'm loyal like a German shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I never would. No. I, I guess he didn't believe that. So you guys, uh, you got pregnant, excuse me, you got pregnant before you moved together. You were 19, you said, when you got pregnant. Yeah. So, when you were living, you know, in your own parents' houses and you're just starting your relationship, was he abusive already? No, it took the first stuff started happening probably within eight months or so. And it was very subtle. And he at first he was very charming. And the way it would begin is he would question like my friend's integrity. Why are you hanging out with her? Hmm. She She's a whore. And just <laughs> say stuff out of nowhere that made absolutely no sense. But he put on this impression like he was like his family was all that and like they're all knowing and Mm -hmm. eventually he would say stuff like you know your mom was a whore and she slept around with all these people and stuff so when he went there I was so questioning it's like well I'm not gonna go and ask my mom that and 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 that's when you know he had me right where he wanted me because I was now not questioning what he was saying and I was actually curious like oh my god was my mom really a whore? (laughs) And way later, I, you know, we did have the conversation way, way later. So you ended up asking her. So, so I was just like stuck in the middle and I couldn't move forward. And by the time I was 19, um, he was whacking a a glass mug over my shin. Um, again, accusing me of cheating and it broke and, and it split right down to the bone. I had to get stitches inside and outside. And um, it was in my my parents' house, and they oh, they always go out to Denny's with another couple um, Friday night. It was a Friday night. They came home, and he goes down there, and he goes, "Sue hurt herself," and I defended that. I didn't. Wow. I did not tell the truth. I said, "Oh yeah, we were wrestling around in bed, and I fell off and onto the mug." So you know, I, I don't know. He did it in your parents' house. Yeah, up wow. in my room. Yep. And you were not pregnant yet. Right. Right. And so I mean, why not just? Get the fuck out then. Because I thought that like he was just, I don't know, having a moment like that's not how he really was. Because at that time, it, that part of him didn't 
barely come out. So like the highs were high. It's like when you're in love and you're blind and you're lovey-dovey and that honeymoon, everything's rainbow and beauty yeah. phase. And he would put me on a pedestal and show me off and, and say wonderful things. And then, and, and I started keeping a calendar and I would put like a smile face or a medium face or an angry face or a sad oh, face. Wow. And he ended up catching on to that. He's like, what the fuck's up with this? <laughs> so everything was there very early on. And I, for some reason, and especially after, you know, we had a child, it's like, I went back cause no one could understand me. No one I couldn't, no one could relate. You know, I felt like people would point their finger and say, oh, she couldn't, you know, handle, a, she couldn't stay in a relationship or she must suck or she must have deserved it or she must have liked it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and on top of that loneliness too, it's like, I, there's no one I could talk to about it because I wasn't going to go tell my dad he raped me. I don't know why. I just couldn't bring it to, you know, and he still doesn't know everything that happened. But at this point, I don't think he needs to know everything that happened. So having the kid, you had the first kid not planned. Do you right. think the following kids were an attempt to, to lock you in, to keep you there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole family thing. You know, but again, there were a lot of good days and a lot of medium days. So every day wasn't bad, um, but a lot of them were. And, and, and the bad got like way worse. So even like when I would come come back and everything was awesome for – you know, maybe a good six weeks. And I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe, just maybe. And then all of a sudden, bam, it would just sink rapidly, you know, danger, danger and all that shit. It was bad. It was really bad. Yeah. And I, I thought maybe he didn't realize, like, I thought like he was like whiting out, you know, where you're just like, well, go in a rage and you're not thinking. So I would like pardon it. Just I had things way out of perspective. Yeah. Wow. Um, where did it feel like, you know, waking up in the morning? Was it every morning just like, oh shit, I hope he's in a good mood? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he'd stay up all night and watch porn. Okay. <laughs> it was a lot, a lot harder to find back then too. <laughs> well, he would do it like on pay-per-view oh, and, and then when I got the bill and I kept those bills just cause they're so damn funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there cause it's going to feel good. Like. I, he used to accuse me of, of, I shouldn't say accuse, but he would say that I look like I'm black. No, I'm not, but I'm really weird looking. So <laughs> I have like olive skin and bright green eyes and full lips and a flat nose. Okay. So, and, and, and purple curly hair, but it was brown then. So I'm really funky looking, but he, he would say, you know what? I think your, your mom was with a black person. I don't think you're your dad's daughter. So that was another thing he started. And I was always really self-conscious about my looks because like I, nobody would invite me to prom and nobody asked me on a date. So I always had this complex that I was really ugly and people thought I was black and wouldn't accept me. So <laughs> wow. now on, on the TV bill, he's got black chicks with big tits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, I can't even believe it. That's fantastic. Oh my God. So yeah, it just befuddles me. So yeah, it was not. So when I woke up in the morning, I'd be happy if I didn't get beat up. Um, or molested in the middle of the night. Uh, I'd be happy to be able to go to work, think of what day it is, what 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 I have to take care of, you know, what the kids are doing with school. So, I mean, a lot of it was regular stuff because you can't stop the process of a day as far as business goes. Right, right. Um, you said it in the be you know, or excuse me, in the end that it was your daughter who finally said, you know, it's me or, or him. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, did, did he hide it from the kids or were they around this the entire time? He hid it from them. 
and it's creepy in a way, but it's not uncommon. Like he would hit me when we had our first one and I'd be breastfeeding him at home and he would come and just like, like hit me, hit me in the face or whatever. And it's like, you know what you, I'm, I'm holding the baby. I'm feeding the, what the, it's some kind of mental screw up. It's like, he's doing it intentionally to try to make me almost hurt the baby. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And, and I don't know how better to say it than that. And, he, you know, it's like the kind of person who, like, pushes you off a cliff just to catch you and say, I saved your life. Yeah. That's the kind of person this is. So weird, huh? Cat in the background. Yeah, this ding-dong cat. <laughs> every time I go in my studio, because I do voiceovers, too, uh-huh. every 100% of the time this cat comes down here and starts talking smack. <laughs> <laughs> wants to be every part of the show. Wants, wants to be a oh. part of the show. You can't blame him. <laughs> oh man um so <laughs> what are some of the effects uh long-term effects uh, on the psyche on on your emotions from something like this for me yeah um well when i first got out i was terrified only because the previous times how he stalked me and would call and hang up or play music over the phone and creepy things like that it is creepy yeah and the la- so the final time the final time. Oh, we had another. We had an oopsie after that. Um, our youngest, oh. <laughs> who is now eleven. Okay. So today, today, my children. Uh, one's going to be twenty-six. The middle one just turned twenty-four, and then the youngest is eleven. He'll be twelve soon. So that's how old they are today. Now this happened seven and a half years ago. Uh huh. Um, but for for me, that first, ooh, it was oh, it was horrible. I mean, I maintained contact with him out of fear. So I was trying to. I didn't want him to think I was coming back to him because that was his assumption. Right. He was thinking, oh, this is all going to blow over. You're going to shut up. No one's going to say nothing. We're going to be back together. I'm going to take care of you and be good. And then, you know, it gets worse. So um, that is the cycle and it will always get worse. So if you're listening and you're thinking, you know, you can fix them or it's going to get better. It's not. So don't don't even believe it. But I would be like I remember I went to the supermarket and somebody called across the the aisle they're like and i jumped out of my skin i was like oh my god because that was like the bark that he would call my sue sue so i don't even use the name sue anymore it's either you call me suzanne or Susie. i'm no longer sue wow it's like ptsd Um, oh yeah well yeah that's exactly what happens i learned i i noticed like when we were in a meeting at work and if somebody went to put their hand next to my my arm, I would immediately pull my hand back to my body. I didn't notice that. Actually, he noticed. My ex told me he's like he would like go to hit me or pretend just to see my reaction and la- then laugh. Mm-hmm. He stabbed me with a fork. I got a real nice fork scar in my arm. Oh, um, he stabbed me with pens. He put cigarettes out on my hands and it's really nasty things. So, it, it, yeah, I did have PTSD for a long time. And uh, I think where things started to turn was uh, on my 40th birthday, I was I still smoked cigarettes and I was sitting on back having a cigarette and he was talking to my oldest son who was only 18 then. And he says, tell mom I know where she lives. And I was like, you son of a bitch. And then I thought, I go, you know what? Tell him everyone knows where I live because I put myself in the phone book. (laughs) (laughs) So showing, you know what? I'm not afraid anymore. I don't care if you know where I live. Yeah. That was the beginning 
of taking my power back. Um, wow. It took some time for, for all of those startle reactions or whatever there. It took time for that to, to ease and go away. I was ter- terrified. I, I thought he was going to drive his car through my living room window. I was terribly in fear. I mean, did you, did you beef up security? Did you get like alarm systems and attack dogs and all that stuff? <laughs> yes, I did get uh, uh cameras that, um, stupid cat. Um, <laughs> Sorry, cats. <laughs> I did get <laughs> there. The domestic violence portion of court had a program. I don't know if it's still going, but as long as you, you know, evident if you were in domestic violence court and passed whatever criteria, you got this panic button and the panic button hooked straight up to the police. So if you push that panic button, they're going to be there with guns drawn. Oh, jeez. So that helped me for a while. And then yeah. like now I have my own cameras and stuff and it's awesome. But today things are in perspective and, and things are the way that they should be. And and here's something else for, for karma. It just kills me. Now, you know, remember what I said? He was stabbing me in the face and said, you know, if I were left, he was going to kill me and my kill my family and then kill me. Right. Yeah. Well, only in the past two years, all of the women who were the glue in his family have died. Oh, jeez. His mother, his grandmother, his great aunt, his regular aunt, and his niece, who's only in her 30s. Oh, wow. All died within two years. Now, tell me that's not karma. I mean, I would never wish, you know, that on anybody, but wow. But you're not going to say no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, that niece, that niece who was in her 30s, she used to babysit our kids. When she was younger. Wow. So it was it's a... just ironic. I used to babysit her when she was oh, little. Geez. And she is whose cat this is. Oh, God. She always wanted to be on my show. She <laughs> wanted to get into radio with me. And so now I guess this cat is her. You know, every time I come down and be on the radio and it starts talking smack, it's like, damn it, Lisa, shut up. Now it's through the cat. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's weird. That is weird. Um, so do the kids still have contact with him? Not uh, the older two, absolutely not. They hated him, hated him. And um, the youngest, uh, when we split, I was still dreadfully terrified. Uh, Actually, I was terrified for the first four years. And uh, I didn't even ask for anything in court. I didn't ask for any child support, visitation. I said you could have them every weekend and that we would meet in a, 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 like his brother would exchange the, the, the boy. Okay. And that went on for a while. And uh, his, my youngest son's name is Joey. And he would say, you know, he's drinking all the time. I don't want to go. He's mean. And, you know, but I was so afraid of confronting him that I said, you have to go. It's a court order. You got to go. Yeah. And so I pretty much forced him to. Now, there was never any evidence of that he was beating him or, you know, anything over the top. But I did keep a journal. You know, he called me an effort. You know, stuff like that. It's like, that's not cool, but I don't think that's enough that I can do anything. Right. Not enough that the courts would do anything. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, when he was nine, he just melted down. He's like, you don't understand. You know, he's drinking and he, and he smacked me in the head and, you know, I don't want to go there. And he just, you know, and I just broke down. I was like, oh my God, you are so right. And so now again, my child has to bring me to confront this beast which is right. awesome, you know, but it's horrible that I couldn't do it on my own. But I did. 
So I went and filed some papers with the sheriff's office to have the, the, the court orders modified. And, oh, my God, it was horrible. It was horrible seeing his ugly mug in court. It was just horrible. I was so – my rib cage, it just felt like wrecking balls were pounding on it from the inside. It was horrible. And um, I'm trying to tell myself, he's just a guy. He's just a dude. Why are you – I tried to talk myself out of that. But the first day in court he and where they have to ask you if you're going to have an attorney or not – and they and he says to the judge, she's off her rocker, Your Honor. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Brainless. Was the judge a female, I hope? She was. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but at least I was the better person and knew not to say anything back and not react. Right. And it did take me a year and a half of court. And a lot of times he would miss and uh, just drag it out. And and now here, this is my favorite story. This is how I was able to get past that and move on. Last July, we were in court, and child support is on a different floor from visitation. So we were in one, and the and our attorney people came over and they said, "Oh, you got to go up to the other floor to sign these papers, then come right back down." I was like, "Okay," so I'm like kind of walking really fast to the elevator, hoping, you know, I could get on before him. Yeah. And he just like calmly strolls over. No one else is around. And he's standing behind me, kitty corner. Oh my God. I'm like, Oh, don't say nothing. I hope he doesn't say anything. What would he say? <laughs> and he says in a monotone, sneery, conniving voice, he says this, I seen pictures of you on the internet with other men. <laughs> And then there's a little pause, and then he goes, I have those pictures. Ooh. So the elevator opens. I get in, and it closes. Now, he did not get in the elevator. Now, I'm processing this. I'm processing And I said, oh, my God. Is that how you got that rocks? Because, because I work in promotions. So there's no questionable pictures of me anywhere. <laughs> so I'll go news. out. I do promotions and, you know, all kinds of different products and brands and the stadium and the casino and all this stuff. And it's not like I dress in a Band-Aid. I'm in like, in a, you know, a uniform and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I love going out and hanging out and getting pictures. I'm, I, there's two hot looking dudes I want to get in the middle and making a man sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it. I mean, this is what I live for. This, And I get paid very well. And so for him to say that meant nothing. Because there's nothing at all. You can, you know, scrounge online all you want. There's nothing out there that I would be ashamed of, that I wouldn't want my own children to see. Nothing. That's the only reason why it's okay. Now, if I was out getting bombed and making an idiot myself well, and going home with strange, that'd be another story. Yeah. So at that moment, in the elevator by myself, I was just like, wow, is that all you got? And at that moment, I felt the sense of power shift from him to me. And I was like, if that's all he's got, I'm all right. I'm good to go. And 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 I was able to like really jumpstart my life from that point. And that was only last July. Wow. And not only if that's all he all he has, are you in a good shape? But also it I don't know about you because you come from a different situation, but you know, when I hear that ex girlfriends are Facebook stalking me or whatever, it's like, haha, she still thinks about me. Like that's awesome <laughs> in a, you know, mean kind of way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that was on your mind at all, but well, he's not computer literate. Oh, 
That's probably yeah. So I don't know how he would know that. Maybe through his sister or somebody, or yeah. I don't know. He, he's he's pretty stupid, but yeah. And I used to think he was really smart just because the way he was so intimidating and interrogating. I mean, like weird smart, not good smart. <laughs> <laughs> like when we first split, and and when Joey would go to his apartment on the weekends and stuff, and he would send home things in his bag, and. uh I had a necklace that he had given me when 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 I was seventeen. It was one of his his necklaces, uh-huh. and I sent it back to him because I was just trying to get rid of everything, everything, everything. Yeah. And so soon after, I had spoken to him on the phone, and it was the last conversation on the phone that we had had. And he said, "Remember when you sent that necklace home? There was some of your hair that was stuck in the class, but I I I I, I ran it between my teeth because I missed you so much." That's creepy shit. Isn't that creepy? Oh it's my like a god. Horror movie. Yeah. He's like, don't ever tell anyone I told you this. And <laughs> but see, that would be like the trust, even though it's fucking with your head. It's that's creepy. And once I started, I'm like, wait a minute, that, that that's creepy. <laughs> that is not normal. Yeah. Wow. That's ew. Uh, yeah. So t- so now after court, it finally ended just in January, just a few months ago. Wow. Finally, all the things I was screaming about. To my attorney, who was uneducated in domestic violence, but that's what you get for free. I guess so. Um, it was horrible because I kept on saying this, 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 this. And they're like, no. In in court, in New York State court says they want both parents in the child's life unless they killed somebody. Jeez. I'm like, are you kidding me? He so, tried to. Yeah. He pretty much, you know, stewed his own self. So everything that I said ended up presenting itself through the proper channels instead of just me saying it. So it's awesome. So the last visitation agreement now is in a therapeutic setting um, where he pays. And he that's what he even brought up. I didn't even have to ask for it. Oh, wow. And so I went and I'm like, I filled it all out. So it was up to him to come and schedule a, a, a visitation. He never did it. That was from last October. And he probably never will. <clears throat> no, like. no, because he doesn't want anybody to witness the way that he speaks to people. It's very manipulative. Like the last time they saw each other was last spring until his mother died and he went to the funeral. Mm. But last spring it was in a police station and um, he didn't want to – Joey didn't want to go with his dad. He's like, I don't trust him. I don't want to go with him. Now at this point, the things were presenting themselves. He, he wasn't supposed to drink when he had him. He got caught drinking when he had him. So visitation was reduced to three hours in public with the exchange at the police station. And Joey was like, no, no, no. And so – I'm so proud of him. So he was 10 at the time and he confronted his dad and I was at the far end of the vestibule listening in awe at at the bravery of this child. He said, I don't want to go with you. And my ex was like, why? Why, Joey? He said, I don't really trust you. He said, you drink all the time and you're not supposed to. He's like, what? No, I don't. And he says, you fight with everybody all the time. You fight with grandpa. You fight with your, with your sister and your brother. You fight with everybody. No, that's not true. And he's like, you drink and you sleep. You never do anything with me. You, it's like you don't care about me. All you do is sleep when I'm there and taking naps and everything. No, no, no. And then finally, finally, he goes, you hit me. And my ex bends down and he goes, what did you say? Uh-oh. Excuse me, Joey. What did you say? And you know what he's doing? He's buying himself time so he can process something to say. Yeah, he needs and, an excuse. Right, right. And Joey just very calmly and firmly repeated himself. He said, you hit me. And he said, no, I watched you. When mom went to work, I watched you. And so that pretty much closed the door on that. And even that wasn't true because 
our our daughter who was in the middle got stuck watching him since he was an infant when I was gone at work. Oh wow, that's intense. Yeah. That's I mean that's ballsy. First <laughs> thing for a small kid. It is. It is. I'm so proud of him. He's just so. I mean, he wasn't you know disrespectful at all. He just calmly told him the true reasons why he didn't want to go. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you have two boys and a girl. Yes. Yep. Girls in the middle. Um, are you afraid mm-hmm. that either the boys will continue this behavior or the girl will be, you know, uh, more likely to get into a relationship like this? That's an awesome question because the stage was perfectly set for exactly that to happen. Right. <clears throat> um, kids who grow up in an abusive environment end up either abuse, abusing or being abused. So, and they also grow up with um, anxiety, depression, suicidal tendencies. There's a whole host of, of really bad problems that happen. So don't stay in it for the kids if anyone wants to yeah. know that. Um, but when we first got away from him and we moved to a different house three miles away and, um, I was concerned that my oldest son, um, might be that way because he, he did have, you know, a lot of hard edges cause he was forced to, but he started working out when he was 15 cause he wanted to kick his dad's ass. And, and his dad said to him, <clears throat> excuse me, what are you doing that for? You're never going to get any bigger. Well, today he's a New York state record holder. He's an all natural <laughs> bodybuilder. He's wow. got, and he's like kicking ass. Um, but, 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 um, he, he, I don't know exactly what happened where, but it was after the first year because right, they moved with, they live with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. He, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask him what the heck happened, but he did start off being kind of a hard head. And then he like went within um, he kept working out and working out and, and going to competitions, and I was there to support him. See, we didn't have um, a relationship all of their growing up years. I was really never able to fully be mom. I was more of I go to work, I come home, I serve my husband. Yeah. You know, and so we didn't have alone time. So they could never tell me what a tyrant he was to them when I was at work. We could never be alone and have a conversation together because he was so paranoid he was afraid of that. So he would monitor, stand over us every every conversation. I was never allowed to be alone with my kids. So I had to develop a relationship with them at you know this stage in life. And it was hard. For me, it was like scary because it's like I don't know who these people are and they don't know me. So I don't know how to start. Right. It's like a whole but, new introduction. Yeah, it was. But it all ended up panning out, you know, so I slowly as I learned to to uncover all the torture and ugliness and fear and guilt and shame off of myself, was I able to actually communicate better with them and be supportive to them? And then then they to me. So we started to, you know, connect and grow and develop. And today we have a phenomenal, really, really awesome relationship. Really, really good. So I know for a fact my oldest son will never lay a, a harmful finger on anybody. I know my youngest, he's awesome. He will stand up for himself and he'll stand up for his family. Now he and the oldest, they're kind of like a dad-son team. They're <laughs> there for each other. Um, and, and Joey just adores his big brother. He owns a Corvette. He has a brand new motorcycle. He's a bodybuilder. He, you know, <laughs> He's got all these big, big trophies. Nice. He, no drugs, no drinking, no smoking. He's a perfect role model. So... I couldn't ask for anything better today. That's fantastic. I mean, that's such a good story to come out of such a horrible story. Right. Cause it didn't, it didn't need to be that way. And as far as my daughter goes, I mean, she's the middle child. 
Um, and and so she kind of always felt like she was getting the the crap end of the stick. And you know, Big Brother, she had a, a pet cricket, and Big Brother ate it. You know? <laughs> oh, so she grew up with these, you know, these kinds of things. And without me to support her, there were there were she. You know, she tried to be happy, but I know she didn't. She couldn't go to sleep safely at night because her dad would come in and just start yelling at her. So they both had a walking on eggshells growing up, and it was tough. Uh, since I got her, uh, I let her best friend move in with me, uh-huh. um, and they were not involved at that time. Two years later, they decided they're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And I got them, or I got them out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to be around that. Um, so actually, they had a plan. They wanted to travel the country, which I thought was great. They yeah. quit their jobs at Target and got an RV, and they're ready to go. They go to fill up at the gas station, and the engine starts on fire. And then they realize... <laughs> They don't know anything about RVs. They don't have any tools. Now they quit their job. So they sold the RV, bought Walmart bicycles, built some crates, and headed out. Wow. So, you know, kudos to them. And um, But it, it was scary for me at first. I mean, at the same time, I was angry because I felt they were living off of me like they wouldn't contribute. Oh, yeah. So we that came to a head, and I'm like, you know, and I gave them like a year. I'm like, I want you out by you know, by July. And then it just prolonged. And, I'm like, come on. and there was a point that they were living in a tent in the backyard. And then when it got stormy, they moved the tent into my garage. Oh, geez. <laughs> but um, I'm happy to say that today. Now they're still traveling, but they've settled um, on uh, some Indian lands. Now, if you're going to wow. end up anywhere, the better, the best place to be is with Native Americans. <laughs> no taxes. They, they welcomed her and her boyfriend. Um, they're they put them to work. They're building stuff and and doing all kinds of cool things. Um, so they're gonna save up money and then they're gonna head back out. But they've been staying in uh, Southern Illinois for since Christmas time. Wow, that's super interesting. It, Isn't it? Yeah. Biking to the Indian Reservation. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they were at some place called Garden of the Gods, which is like eight miles from there. That's and, in Colorado, uh, right? No, it's in Illinois. Oh, and in okay. fact, they have a Facebook page that you guys can check out. It's called Goal for Get Out and Live, G-O-A-L. Okay. And, um, yeah, there's two people there. It's a, my daughter, Jackie, and her boyfriend, Garrett, and they're, they're awesome people. And I think something really important between she and I took place. I, I texted her the one night only a few months ago, and I'm like, you know what? Thank you, because if it weren't for you making me do something, I probably we would be dead today yeah and um i think that opened up a lot of things that she needed to be opened up and validated and appreciated and all those things so you know even though i need to do to do my own healing i i had to do that before i can go on the other side and 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 look through their eyes so so now we're we were really really tight as we should be and never were before so i'm I'm really tight with all my children i'm confident that they're each going to continue to make you know cool, fun choices and be independent. That's awesome. Um, I know that the questions have kind of steered towards the happier, so I almost hate to ask any more not-so-happy okay. questions. <laughs> the story has ended so nicely. People that write for a living are going to kill me now. Um, <laughs> but I, I had a couple, like two more questions related to your experience and then a couple of generic questions with this sort of thing. Um, okay. When You said you worked all the time when this was going on. Did you ever tell your coworkers or did your coworkers ever say like, hey, we can tell something's up or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What happened with that? Yeah. Each of the jobs that I had, um, there was usually somebody 
that I confided in. And, um, you know, some, some, sometimes I didn't say anything, but I saw them looking, you know, they were looking at like the, the handprint on my throat or the scratches on my arm. I saw them looking, but you know, what would you say if you saw somebody at the next, next test? You know, some yeah. depends on personality. Some people would say, are you okay? And some people are just too afraid, you know, to get involved. That's true. Cause they don't know if they should call the police or what should they do? You know? So it's very difficult to know the right thing to do. Um, I, one of my jobs, I told my boss, uh, actually he called it out. He's like, you know, is everything okay at home? And just tears started streaming down. Oh, um, but at the same time, after I got out of that, he let me go. <laughs> oh, that was nice. Yeah. He goes, you know, you're just not all there anymore. I'm going to have to let you go. But the truth is he let his whole staff go because he took on a new, uh, he, uh, when you're going to get it married, what do you call a fiance? Oh. He bought her a brand new car and a brand new diamond ring and he laid off his staff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, you know what, Dave? I'm going to take your technicians and I'm going to take your clients and I'm going to start my own company. And that's exactly what I did. That's awesome. <laughs> and is he divorced now? Oh, I don't know. That'd I don't know. He saw that I was having some successes in my company and he reached out. He's like, why don't you give me a call? I'd like to discuss some opportunities. I'm like, I bet. don't ever call me again. <laughs> wow, that's ballsy too. Isn't it? In a bad way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he used to be some kind of a church preacher guy, one of those guys who speaks all monotone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to watch out for them. Yeah. You live and learn. I was very inexperienced at life because I was very sheltered. Right. I didn't, you know, I didn't get to have human interactions outside of work and home, so I was very inexperienced. Wow. Uh, how common is domestic violence in the house home household? Why? No. How common is it? Oh, how common? Oh, it's super common. Well. There's different statistics out there, but the ones that I use is uh, one in four women and one in six men. And, uh, you know, those are numbers too big to ignore. Because even like when I give a speech and I'll tell everyone, look around for a minute, just look at each other for a minute. And then I'll lay in those stats. And they're like, wow, because that means, you know, do a percentage of this room yeah. are impacted. And uh, I now is the right time to also bring up, you know, it's not always violence. We think violence, we think smack, black eye, and all that stuff. Uh -huh. And it's not always that. And, and it's harder to prove when it's not a physical mark. But when you're being told, you know, you're a useless, fat, ugly piece of shit, you're never going to amount to anything. You can't live without me. You can't survive. You can't get anywhere. You can't, 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 can't. You know, that does break you down over a period of time. Oh, definitely. You know, it's not like you go on a date and get punched in the face. It's never right. like that. It's not like that. This is yeah. a very, it's like a procedure. It's like a very, it's gradual. And, uh, to, and also to divine it, it's, it's established. It's not once it's, it's, it happens several times and it's a pattern and it's where somebody is trying to take power and control over the other person. And that's really how you define it. So it could be psychological, emotional, financial, you know, sexual. You know, I think I had everything and then some. <laughs> you know, I told them, I told them before, it's like, I'm afraid to be alone with you. You know, oh, yeah. it was just horrible and ugly. And it's interesting that I've run into former tenants because we lived in a double house. Okay. And people upstairs, I ran into them since then. And one of them was like, oh, my God, Sue, you're just like a girl now. You look good. Because, oh, <laughs> you know, I would wear 
big baggy clothes because he would accuse me of cheating. So I would make sure that I don't look, you know, really presentable. Right. And you know, all of those were, were techniques and tactics just to make myself feel worse about myself. And I already felt bad because I, I thought that no one liked what I looked like, you know, because from when I was little. So he found my Achilles heel and, penetra- and penetrated it there. And so I, yeah. you know, and today, you know, people are like, oh, my God, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not worried about anything today. I don't even care. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, I'm so comfortable in my skin. You know, at first, I, when I first started dyeing my hair purple, he would say to Joey, oh, mom's purple dinosaur. Everyone's laughing at her. And Joey took great offense to that. Yeah. You know, and I was like, but I never once said I'm gonna, I'm not going to not keep my hair purple. And I don't even I did it before it was even cool. I, did, <laughs> I started wearing my hair purple in 2009 because Purple is the color that symbolizes wounded warriors and domestic oh, violence. Okay, that makes That's sense. That's the reason. Yeah. So now I, I always wear it. it's it's I I love my purple hair. <laughs> I used to straighten my hair, you know, because when he said everyone thinks I'm black, so I used to straighten my hair. But then I look like an Indian. So like, <laughs> I just couldn't win. So I wear it naturally now, and naturally curly, and I eat lots of eggplant so that it stays purple. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and and how stupid of him. I've I had a little bit of experience not. On this sort of level, to to say things like that to Joey, you know, I had a, a bitchy stepmom who would mm-hmm. say shit to me about my mom. It's like, do you want me to hate you more? <laughs> do you think I'm going to choose you over my own mother? You stupid bitch! Like, right? How dare yeah, you? right. But that's, that's so that, that narcissistic, you know, manipulative. That uh, I mean, how would, you, would she honestly think? Oh, okay. You know, you're. Why do they do this? It yeah. doesn't make themselves even seem greater right. but i think to t- to themselves as they say it that they think that they are they're inflating themselves is what i think right exactly um have you heard about this totally change of subject have you heard about these uh couple of instances lately where women are ordering pizza online and typing yes. in messages you know call yes. 911 i saw that how brilliant is that that is so it- smart and one great way technology is not just making us fat but saving our lives <laughs> right yeah, kudos. I yeah, I saw that online. It it made me remember if I could get to our phone when when things were beginning to escalate. There were certain friends of his that I would call and I would say, "Can you stop over? He's being an ass." Uh, and if they could that they would. And that would be my buffer. And I th- there's an article I wrote about it out there somewhere and I thank those people by name, but one of them was his brother. Um, wow. So, you know, people knew things weren't right, but they did not know the extent of it. Yeah, well, it's hard to really. Yeah, yeah, because I was terrified. I think my greatest fear, like there's no record that I never called the cops. There were there were never any, you know, disruptions at my home that the law got involved. Right. Uh, my greatest fear was if what if they came and he knew the cop or they just laughed and left? I'd get it worse, you know. And, and that probably made it even harder when, when uh, taking him to court over Joey, not having any record of him doing this. Right. I mean, yeah. if, if there was years and years of these police records, they would have just, oh, open and shut, of course. Right. But this probably made it a lot harder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie, my daughter, and I both wrote like a, a really v- vibrant <laughs> victim impact statement. It was really, uh, I don't know, it was kind of like pow. You know, she was like, you know, this is what I grew up with. This is how my dad is. Yeah. And I was like, this is what happened to me. And, you know, 22 years worth and. Yeah, you know, we got the scars to prove it. I got this fork mark. Joey asked me, he's like, wow, what is that? I'm like, it was a fork. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. You know, what? But he knows today, you know, uh, you're not supposed to ever talk bad about the other parent. That's just parenting 101. Yeah. 
but how do you not? Joey hate, he hates his dad. He knows right. what he's done because he's done it to him. So, you know, he, it's out in the air now. I, I, I'm just, I can't, I'm not a good liar. I can't do it. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. like an open book. You see right there. And I told me that's a fork. Yeah, dad did it. Whatever. Yep. He doesn't care because he knows. Yeah. It wasn't a big surprise. Right. Um, what can or should you do if you know someone that is currently a victim? Ask that person if they're okay. I would start there and, and allow them to talk. Yeah. Sometimes they just need to let it out and just vent. Sometimes that's all that they need. Because this is like super important, I think, in, in hindsight. M- nobody could have swooped me out of there and saved me. Nobody. I had to bottom out for myself. And for me, it was my daughter, right? We all have a breaking point. You know, this comes with addictions and anything else. Yeah. Everything has to have a breaking point point before you decide you're going to incorporate change. Until then, you're going to go back home. You're going to get beat again. You're going to get raped again. You're going to get put down again until you reach that breaking point. Now, the number of times that people leave and come back, the magic number is seven. So, you know, wow. for me, it was three. But yeah, it, because, and I said a little earlier in the show, all the reasons people return, you know, they feel so isolated that they can't talk to anybody else because nobody else will understand. And that's exactly what the abuser want, wants, because yeah. of course they understand, but now they're going to manipulate you further well, and like draw you, you right back in. Yeah. And you had no friends left by that point. Absolutely not. And this is, this is classic. This is exactly what they do. They isolate you. So you're stripped of your friends and your family. You have no social network. I mean, it's on purpose. It's, it's, it's very, it's very common. Yeah. Is there anything that someone could have said to you along the way, you know, like, Hey, you know, come over to my place. Let's call the cops or. Yeah, I do think so. I think if somebody would have let me know that there are options, because once I called the police at work when I had two seconds to myself and I said, this is what's going on. What could be done now? Things have improved. It's important to say. But years ago, when I did make this call, um, the Buffalo Police Department said you can have a black eye and nothing could be done. But if he kicks you with a shoe, then that shoe will constitute a weapon, and then we can arrest him. Oh, jeez. So being told that really just doused my candle. <laughs> yeah. You know, was I supposed to go home and say, kick me, honey? Right. You know? Get your steel-toe so, boots on, would you? Right, yeah. So it was a very hurtful, it was a bad thing. But it's not like that anymore. Things are a lot more open now. You know, even child abuse back in the day, everything, everything was just so, you know, dark and covered and protected. Now... You know, with the internet, mostly, everything is out in the open. It's easier to prove. I don't mind. You know, they're using Facebook and court records now, and this is good. And they yeah. can, you know, evidence things that are said and uh, and threatened and whatnot. So if you see if you see something, you know, definitely say something. See here, here's here's the thing. If some if my tenant would have called the police during an episode, I wouldn't have said yes, take me, arrest him. Because I have the kids to worry about. I have every, I'm not ready. Yeah. So when you are ready, you say to yourself, I've had enough of this. It's not going to get better. I need to save myself. I need to show my child what a loving relationship looks like, even if I'm single. That's what you got to do. Then you make a safety plan. And then you execute that safety plan. And then you call me. So when you feel weak and vulnerable and you're afraid you're going to call them back, you call me and I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't. <laughs> kind of like having the, you know, an AA sponsor, if you will. Very good. Yeah, you got to have a support system. Yeah. And thank goodness, you know, with the Internet, 
Everything's so much easier. These groups are huge. All these domestic violence support groups, there's a ton of them. So, you know, there's real ones in your physical town. And then there's these virtual ones. And, and a great thing to check out is narcissistic personality disorder. When I found that, everything opened up for me and it all made sense. So if you're questioning, you know, is this behavior going to go away? No, it's not. Go to go online and just start doing some searches on um, psychopath, <laughs> Jeez. Um, narcissistic personality disorder. You'll be amazed. And it's really going to help you to feel better too. Interesting. Well, you talk about these support groups and you talk about the internet being awesome. So let's talk a little about you. And I mentioned top of the show before we got into the interview, you are the founder of love shouldn't hurt TV, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is love shouldn't hurt TV? It is a wonderful, fantastic <laughs> platform that offers support, education, prevention, and awareness for domestic violence for men and women. Um, I am in a suburb of Buffalo, New York, and um, I, su- I support people using the internet. Um, using I'm a real bad Facebook junkie, <laughs> and, uh, and um, so the website is www. Do you still have to say that anymore? <laughs> I don't. Well, I do sometimes, but okay. I don't think it's, it's necessary. Good. It's love shouldn't hurt dot TV. Love shouldn't hurt dot TV. And uh, I use dot TV because it's cool and trendy. <laughs> and we do have a YouTube channel with tips and tricks. And I like to answer questions. So if you want to if you want to ask a question, it's OK if you want to re- remain anonymous. I will take a video with the question, not your name, and I'll tell you, you know, what a good answer. <laughs> so I for October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I did one every single day. So if you go to the website, there's a link to our face uh, to our YouTube channel and you can watch the videos there. <clears throat> Excuse me, or just send me a question. I'll be happy to answer it, put it in the form of a video and you can share that. We're a Facebook page as well, Love Shouldn't Hurt TV on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh it's been awesome. I actually started it back in 2010, January 2010, and I had a different company name. It was called OP Music House because I was afraid to talk about domestic violence in a public setting at that time, oh. which is great because it took you know some time to get my sea legs on, really, yeah. and get comfortable and listen to hundreds of other stories to help build my knowledge base and and listen to you know what are your problems, what are your concerns, what are what are the barriers to services that you had. So now I'm a member of uh, the, the 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 county coalition against domestic violence, the New York State Coalition Against Family Violence. I'm a member of, I'm an ally of nomore.org, that big blue circle yeah. <laughs> that you see the PSAs that the you know the NFL has and stuff. Yep. Uh, so I'm a member of everything that applies where it fits. And it's just like a, it's a global reaching out around the world to expose domestic violence saying, you know, we got to talk about this. Don't you look the other way. And And here's the visual I like to paint. For, for me, because I started it, <clears throat> if I'm sitting in my living room and my husband at the time was getting ready to get get into it and smack me and do all these nasty things. Now, what if the front curtains were pulled back? And what if like some of the neighborhood people were looking in? You know, what if the whole city, what if the whole state were looking in? What if the whole world was looking in my living room window? Would he still hurt me? Of course not. Yeah. Of course. So it's exposure. It's exposure. It's bringing this out into the spotlight, you know, it's shriveling up this ugliness like maggots, you know, shriveling it up in the sun. Yeah. 
so we're exposing domestic violence. We're talking about it. We're connecting with other people. Um, I had a, I have really sneaky, effective ways of marketing. <laughs> I will go to a packed bar with with gadgets and 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 tiaras and glow in the dark rings and guitar necklaces, and I'll just hand them out. Here, have a great time, great time. They go home, whatever happens, happens. They wake up in the morning, they pull out this little trinket in the morning, and on the back it says Love Shouldn't Hurt TV. And then they check so it out. So this way, they just thought it was a token having fun, not yeah. knowing, you know. That's smart. Yeah. Super smart. <laughs> <laughs> and sneaky. Yeah, and very effective, which is the most important thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and you guys have a big benefit concert coming up, right? Yeah, we got a big hoop de doo at the end of <laughs> June. And this is our sixth year doing it, and it's called, what else but... The Exposure Concert Because Love Shouldn't Hurt. It's a three-day-long, two stages, 50 bands show, live streaming around the world to expose domestic violence. I go big! (laughs) (laughs) Go big or go home. Exactly. So anyone with an internet connection will be able to watch this on my on the website of loveshouldnhurt.tv. Um, we even have awesome sponsors like Regal Tip Drumsticks. We have Yorkville Sound, who's providing the back line. I mean, big companies. Nice. We got, I was just at Guitar Factory today. They get, We got a guitar from them and wonderful, wonderful things. So this is at the end of June. It's the 26th through the 28th. And um, it's, it's here in the Buffalo, New York area physically, but you can watch anywhere. Uh, we'll be doing... Uh, on stage shout outs for $5. So if you oh, want to nice. say, Hey, um, if you want to propose, if you want to wish somebody a happy birthday, if you want to quickly share your story, I will read greetings on stage where you can watch it and uh, for five bucks. Oh, that's so that's awesome. super cool too. That is really cool. A lot of people probably get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I just started it last year and it was really effective. So like yeah, it. it's, it's cool. It's like when you go to the basketball games, you can tweet out your message and all that. Good yeah, that's there awesome. you go. I like that. That's so cool. Um, and one last thing, I, I was doing some Facebook stalking before the, the interview started because <laughs> that's what I do. Uh-huh. And, uh, you are a part of Buffalo Wild Women. Is that right? Yes. What is yes. that? This is a company that I just inherited in, this, uh, February. Wild Women Unite is an event based business. And for example, the one here in Western New York, it's for 500 women. From all walks of life, um, all uh, 16 and up, all ages, to assemble and try new things outdoors in a safe and fun environment. And so we have like almost 30 different workshops. It's two days long. The first day, you it's mingling, and I have some speakers and, and a small business b- uh, vendor fair. Um, and happy hour. We like happy hour. Oh, and then Saturday, doesn't? everyone does their four workshops. And then we have a big ass campfire and reflect and have a good old time. So this is, we have like zip lining, horseback riding, kayaking, fishing. Cabela's is one of our sponsors. Um, we have archery and, and oh, just, like I said, I teach happy camp. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> how to, how to laugh more and stress less. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, so now the, actually the woman who founded this, her name is Yvonne Folk and she was from here and she moved to Florida just earlier in this year, and now she is starting one in Florida. So there's going to be one in Crystal River, Florida, and she's recruiting other towns across the country. In fact, there's a big press release just earlier this week that was announcing all these new appointments. So I got a fancy pantsy new title. It's <laughs> nice. uh, it's uh, what the heck am I? I? I'm the the national 
public relations and media director. Woo. That's a good one. LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. And plus I'm the site director for New York. So we're going to do the one in Western New York and then we're going to do one in uh, Long Island uh, next year. Okay. There's a new, there's also a site in Bastrop, Texas, which is outside of Austin. Okay. There's one going to be in DC and there is one going to be in Montgomery, Alabama and one in Char- Charlotte, North Carolina. Just moving all over. Yeah. And I'm going to be teaching happy camp at all of them. I like that happy camp. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. That's very <laughs> I'm cool. I'm so excited. I mean, out of, out of anybody, why not me? I had everything taken away. I had my free will taken away and stomped on. I had nothing. I couldn't even get good sleep because I got beat up. And now life has turned around. Not only is it in color, it is in 3D and harmony and everything is just beautiful. So, you know, uh, it's awesome. I mean, life is just so terrific today. That's great. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Um I kind of kept you double what I said I would keep you, so I apologize for that. <laughs> but uh, this was this was super informative. I think this is a great uh, first interview to do for the show, and I, I hope people listening learned a lot of things. Um, yeah, something for everybody. Yeah, hopefully. And and if you didn't learn uh, where to go, if you need help, but hopefully you learned something what the signs are, or or at least what not to do. So um, yeah, don't stay. Yeah, don't, don't don't justify staying. Yeah. It's it's uh it's never worth it. That's what it sounds like. So exactly. Yep. Oh man, uh, I think we got all the social media. Oh, we didn't get your Twitter at Suzy P Rocks, right? Yep. There you go. S U Z Y P R O C K S, and then love shouldn't hurt. It's uh love shouldn't H R T because there should be no U in hurt. Nice. Wink, wink. Is that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> and that's Facebook. That's uh, the interwebs. That's that's everything. It seems like. Love right, yeah. And LinkedIn, I'm Suzanne Perry Seven. And uh Awesome. Yeah, but you can always find me on Facebook, Suzanne Perry Seven, and then the page is Love Shouldn't Hurt TV. All right, everybody go and uh watch the concert on June twenty sixth through twenty eighth. I actually remembered, yeah. Yay. I never remember dates, so go me. You must have had your coffee. I did. I had coffee <laughs> and energy drinks and cold medicine. It's a new Yay. it's a new Round combo for me. Yeah. New... <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got their soundboard. <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Oh, you betcha, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you guys for listening. Once again, you can get her at loveshouldnthurt.tv, Facebook. She is Love Shouldn't Hurt. And on Twitter at Suzy P. Rocks. Check her out. Don't forget to check out that concert coming up. Even if you're not in the area, you can uh, stream it on the interwebs. It's going to be fantastic. If you guys want to contact the show, you can head over to IWantToKnowShow.com. You can email me ideas, questions for upcoming guests. You can see bios on the guests that we have. You can listen to the shows there. You can also find us on social medias, Facebook.com slash IWantToKnowShow, at IWantToKnowShow on Twitter. And uh, feel free to email me, IWantToKnowPod at gmail.com. Do for a loop there. So thank you guys for listening. And next episode, we'll be talking to Laura Johnston-Cole, one of the surviving members of the Jonestown Massacre. You do not want to miss that. It's, it's going to be great. So on that note, good night, everybody. Good night.